0: good I just uh got accepted and and got the mic on
1: fantastic so I've got my coffee you're on your way to get yours what better way to kind of round out first week of game coverage with just a little little quick chat if uh you know final thoughts and I was hoping we might have some injury information as it pertains to Keegan Johnson but I haven't I haven't seen anything like that come through but uh uh, I guess maybe first question in order what's what's the coffee order for you today? Ted?
0: Sorry, uh, as, as I was driving, I switched a setting and uh, looks like I lost it. so you are gonna have to repeat that one. I heard you're talking about hoping to get some injury stuff, uh, but cut out after that. Oh,
1: yeah, I was just hoping we we'd get some injury information. Does't look like we have anything on Keegan Johnson yet, but I wanted to open the space. what's your what's your uh, coffee order gonna be this morning? You know yet? Got a lucky one.
0: Not really, so once uh, game season starts, I, I kind of like to start my Saturday mornings off, I go in, and get a coffee, so depending on what other things um, I'm picking up, so today uh, picking up some, some breakfast for the family and some things maybe to to grill and uh, some chips and queso and stuff for, for game time snacks, so uh, probably just a stop at this local Scooters that's right by there and uh, kind of kind of go on the fly depending on, on the day. But it's a nice nice morning here, so, so I'm thinking maybe like a, a cold brew and, and get the day started right.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So I I, I was listening to the All Eyes podcast uh, earlier this week because so I didn't want to stumble on too many points. But I think the, the most interesting thing, I think it was that Rob raised, was Grinowski as maybe a potential... Ah! Michael Penix candidate. And that was something I just couldn't help but shake. I think the, the major difference is Penix had what, maybe six months between his ACL tear, but 15 months for, for the South Dakota State quarterback. And to me, that's the thing I am most looking forward to seeing how that kind of plays out. If he's confident in that leg or uh, uh, if Iowa can really take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, it's something, you know, we brought up last year before that game. And, and as you said, the timetables are different. But with somebody who wants to run and, and an offense that uses his ability to run as such a key focal point, it's going to be interesting to see, one, how confident he is. But how much are these coaches uh, for South Dakota State and a new offensive coordinator willing to uh, – to have him run, whether it's designed runs or or places where he's outside the pocket, when are they looking to do that? Because they've also got a big season a season where they're hoping for an FCS title. So do you put him in a tough position coming back or do you kind of go all in? And that's what I'm interested to see. Um, and if Iowa can get pressure up the middle, how confidently can he stay in the pocket? Because a lot of their routes are long-developing routes. They have really good receivers, two good tight ends, um, but they, they spend a lot of time trying to get those guys open, whether it's double moves, uh, long crossing routes, things like that. So can he stay in the pocket, and is he willing to stay in the pocket long enough um, to let those routes develop?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I think the the thing as it pertains to like Iowa, right, is the the joke of Lucas Van Ness continually being the backup defensive tackle. Uh, do we see him primarily up the middle where he was so good last year, or do we see where he was throughout a lot of camp and all those open practices where he's more on the edge? I imagine that this has been just depth chart hilarity from Kirk Barrens, but. Still something worth monitoring, just how how Iowa uses Lucas Van Ness, especially as it pertains to um, Grenowski as a running threat.
0: I'll be shocked if he's not starting at defensive end, but that said, I do think we see him inside some two, now, whether that's lined up at D-tackle, but one thing in watching South Dakota State is they do have a good offensive line, but they're kind of more maulers. They're not real outside the left tackle I don't think they move out in an outstanding way. So I think Iowa, I expect to see a lot of twists and stunts. So maybe you get Venice coming around from the outside to the inside with, you know, Logan Lee coming in from the inside and maybe trying to clear the guard out a little bit and take advantage of their lack of speed along the offensive line. So, so I think, I think he'll be moved around, but man i'll be shocked if if he's not starting at defensive end i'll be shocked and i'll i'll be mad as well because you can't you can't waste a talent like that not putting him in a position where he can change a game so much with his ability to to rush the pass, passer yeah yeah i
1: mean i think that he's he's one of the guys i'm watching on defense i also think the the maybe the most interesting thing for iowa's defense outside of you know the the line on line matchup is how well do the linebackers play in space? I think um, South Dakota State, they, they got big guys up front, tight ends. Do we see a lot of 4-3 with Justin Jacobs being uh, uh, that coverage linebacker? Or do we see a healthy dose of Cooper DeGene? I think it's maybe six of one, half dozen of the other. But we also haven't seen Dejean out there on defense um, in a, a you know, normal game
0: setting. With their uses of the tight ends, um, and they'll go to tight ends quite a bit. I do think we see I will probably stay in four three a little bit more. But with Jacobs, you do have a really effective person to put on the tight ends. Now, I am a little bit worried just with the size of their tight ends. If I was in that a lot, if they try to get uh, get those tight ends matched up more on Benson, who's a little bit smaller, and they can kind of box him out a little bit easier. So it'll be interesting to watch. Do they motion? Do they try to get those guys where they're isolated more on Benson instead of letting Jacobs kind of follow those uh, bigger tight ends around? Because he's such a good matchup for Iowa that he can match those guys in size and speed, and his arm length is so good so he's able to defend those routes. What they love to do, especially to those tight ends, is they kind of line them up either in line or in the slot, and they take the outside receiver and run him deep. And then they run an out route or some sort of outbreaking route with the tight end or the slot receiver into that vacated area. So somebody like Jacobs, who has a lot of length, is able to defend it a little bit with his arms more than you know. Even somebody like Gene, who's who's really fast and he can be physical, but he's going to be given up 40, 45 pounds.
1: Yeah. I think in in listening to that and listening to some of the other things uh, you and Rob have said, and I don't think the, maybe it's less dink and dunk, but the way they use their tight ends reminds me of kind of those vintage Northwestern teams, just in terms of trying to get them open quick in space, make them makeables and kind of dink and dunk your way down the field. I do think they're a lot more, they'll be a lot more focused on, running the football maybe than those past Northwestern teams. But to me, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, any final thoughts before we kind of switch to the offense?
0: No, I think the other thing is they're get, with the tight ends, as you said, they're not necessarily big playmakers. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll block for a second and then just leak out to the flat and kind of stand there and wait for if something deep doesn't open up, just total safety valve, you know, not even downfield at all, just somebody out in the flat that they can throw to, um, to avoid, you know, a loss or no gain and pick up two to three. So that's another thing they like to use their tight ends for.
1: Great point. I, I do think that you, th- you Thad and, and me, I think we were two of the more optimistic guys in the the prediction poll. Both of us had deep, Iowa scoring over 30 points a game. And I think to me what's going to be most interesting is if Iowa's able to really generate Hi, that running game that I am optimistic that they can. And I think if they're able to today, it bodes really well for the future season.
0: I'm with you. I'm optimistic in a sense of I just feel like with especially those top three running backs really being downhill guys. And it's, it's not that they can't run outside zone or they won't run outside zone but I do think we're going to see a little bit more between the tackles this year with the, with the ability of, of those top three guys. So I think that's where it starts. And if Iowa can just have some sort of stable running game and keep themselves out of second and 13, because last year, that was such a detriment. They were in second, 12, 13, so often, it just totally got them off schedule. And the passing game obviously was a disaster and putting yourself in those situations doesn't make it any better. So even if those are second and seven, you have a little bit of um, variety that you can call instead. It's like, well, do I run just to get us in third and something, or do we take a shot here? So I think the a boost in some of those, you know, shorter gains instead of losses is going to be really important and going to allow this offense to stay on track a little bit easier than it did last year.
1: Yeah. Um, the the other area I'm curious for Iowa's offense is just the makeup of that line. Do we see kind of the tackles we saw last year uh, in Richmond and Plum, or is it more do, Richmond dealing with an injury, so we have Plum on the left tackle? And something I've advocated really all offseason is Connor Colby at right tackle. That's going to be the one that I uh, – he, to me, he was—he's Iowa's best returning offensive lineman. I think uh, the best way for Iowa to move forward as an offense is to get those five best offensive or run blocking uh, linemen out on the field, live with whatever that means in the pass game, uh, but really, you know, trying to establish the run. And I think if we see Colby out at right tackle and maybe Jennings, I know that that was kind of the guy who made everyone laugh with. Kirk's quip on uh oh he should be on the depth chart but he wasn't shows how much those matter um but but to me I think that that's maybe as important as anything outside of Keegan Johnson's
0: health I'm with you I I'm interested to see you know does Richmond start and even if he does I I don't expect him to play you know more than half the snaps I think Ideally, they would like to get him out there and get him some game reps. Uh, It sounds like he's been practicing for a week or maybe a little bit more than that. So get him out there, but he's probably not in condition to play the full game. So what I'm kind of thinking might happen is he starts and, and it looks a little bit more like last year with him at left tackle and Plum at right tackle. But I do think we see a fair amount of Plum at left tackle and Connor Colby at right tackle. And then, as you said, uh, you've got a couple guys on the interior guard that can mix around. I, I think we'll probably see seven different guys on the offensive line is kind of what I'm expecting. So the kind of main five that have been in there. And then I, I think we'll see some, some Bo Stevens possibly. And, as you mentioned, Dunker is the other one. that, that Those two I think will rotate in some at guard.
1: And then what do we make of the passing offense? I mean, it it seems like that's the thing right now that's going to be what uh, maybe Iowa's 2022 prospects live and die on is um, maybe the creativity of the pass game. Do we see the Porta playing as essentially Iowa's number two wide receiver behind Bruce if if Johnson can't go? Or do we just see that anyways because he's, you know, presumably – Iowa's best skill player going into the season.
0: I do think, I think we see that. And there have been several, several media people kind of hinting to that for a while to expect to see him split out a little bit, which honestly isn't that unusual. I, when I looked at the numbers last year, I think uh, Pro Football Focus had him listed as in the slot on around 30, 33% of his snaps. Now, I do know sometimes a guy can be just off the line and split out a tiny bit and they'll list it. So take that, you know, I wouldn't say that's a 100% sure number, but it is isn't uncommon for him to be in the slot or split out a little bit. Now, it is a little more uncommon for him to be kind of the the single receiver on a side. But I do think we see that. And you've brought up several times um, in our Slack, too, about the impact that, that can have in the running game, how many times some of those 12 yard runs maybe could be 20, 30 plus if you have a little bit better block on the, on the outside. And and Iowa was so good with that for a while with Brandon Smith when he was out there. So if you have Laporta out there, it does kind of give you that additional chance of breaking some long runs just with that added blocking on the outside. And you've brought that up several times. And I think that's a really good point and one that, if this offense is really going to be run based, is one that you want to look at is a really good option going forward.
1: Yeah, I think the that's fascinating because if, if Iowa can really has three tight ends they like, whether it's the the true freshman o- Ostranga, I think it's his last name, or uh, the the transfer from Lafayette Del- Stelanos, I think I got those two names right if they like either of them enough, then it makes, in my opinion, kind of those classic 22 sets where I remember that was like Jordan Cotton's only job for four years. He was that, that one receiver in the 22 set. Um, If, if that allows Iowa to move Laporta out there and either get, you know, get the, the bigger guy on a smaller uh, D back in either a run situation or as a possible, you know, just quick, Five yard hitch route in, uh, in uh, you know maybe a third down setting and see what that does.
0: The other thing it does is it just kind of messes with a defensive coordinator when you're looking at, at Iowa's huddle and let's say they're 22. So you've got both tight ends and potabom in there. So you're you're changing as a defensive coordinator. You might be changing personnel or changing kind of what you're thinking based on that. But if they come out with more of just if Laporte is split out and it's more of a traditional I formation, it does make things a little bit harder for the defensive coordinator when they're trying to, to make a call based on both down and distance, but now a formation or a personnel package, I should say that doesn't necessarily look like it's supposed to. And with that uh, mentioning Pottebombe, I think we're going to see him kind of move around a little bit too. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in line occasionally um, or starting in the backfield and moving in line, or uh, vice versa, starting in line and moving as an H-back to the backfield, I think they're going to move him around as well.
1: And that is what we've seen from like some of the best offenses in, in pro football, right? I mean, the, the fullback slash tight end out of San Francisco. I know a lot of Iowa fans like to compare iowa to, to san francisco in practice they're much different but you know in terms of personnel obviously the Kittle connection um to me i think maybe that is the best version of iowa's offense is we see just a ton of pot of bomb because he can do a fair amount of things in in a fair amount of
0: spots and last year i feel like early on they did try to get him the ball off a of play action a time or two as well so it's something even last year that the coaches had in the back of their mind and that's one thing I always like to watch, especially early in a season or early in a game. What is kind of who's the main target of a design? And it, it might not go there as, as Kirk likes to say, the ball goes where, where it goes, but it's always interesting to see where are they intending to go? What are they trying to do? Because it tells you a lot about what they think of the player um, and what they think they can do against that defense. And especially with their defense, uh, their defensive line will slant really hard with the offensive line's first step. So it's a situation if you can get a line going one way and even pot a bomb, you might be able to kind of counter and go the other way with your play design. And I think that's something that Iowa can use to their advantage: is take advantage of how much they try to jump and beat the linemen to their spot. Yeah, I think that's
1: that's a great, Using Potterbaum as a decoy in some respect. I, know, I, I recall, you know, kind of the fake pullback one way, go to the halfback the other direction. I think that that can maybe be a staple play for Iowa this year where we see it a time or two a game. And uh, South Dakota State's definitely the, the uh, type of team to try it out on because Iowa's got weight advantages across the board. It seems like this offensive line's as big as it's been. Um, I don't want to put it in a while. Uh, the only one that I know is bigger was that 2002 line, but uh, a lot has changed since then. Um, so yeah, that I guess any, any final thoughts? I know, uh, do we want to wrap up with special teams? Who are we hoping to see in the return game? Cool. Oh, I,
0: I think we'll see Cooper DeGene. I know they've mentioned him, Arlen, Bruce, uh, Riley Moss has been mentioned. I know, uh, I think he said both Williams, uh, both running backs are possibilities, um, at least on kick return. I'm really, I'm kind of hoping it's just the gene, um, in general, but I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like there's some rumblings in from his interview that Moss might have a chance on punt returns. And I'm not sure if I love it, uh, just from, you know, he's going to be out there full time anyway, but at the same time, uh, we do know he has a, a track history and I think if you can give him a chance to maybe make some more plays that can be beneficial as well. So I'm interested to see punt return. I think kick return, I'd be shocked if it's not uh, DeGene and maybe one of the Williams back, but, but punt return, I think is where it can be really interesting. Uh, so we'll see. Is it one guy like it's been the last couple of years or do they mix it up? The, the thing I think
1: that's interesting about both Dejean and Moss as potential punt returners is the fact that you can almost have kind of your base defense out there personnel-wise in terms of um, not getting caught off guard by things. I know in a lot of past years, we have seen kind of that dual – Dual returner in the punt return game. I re- I recall like Desmond King and Riley McCarron being out there, and Desmond King serving as almost a decoy for a, a Riley McCarron touchdown return. Uh, I think uh, t- you mentioned Moss's track speed. That's that's the main reason I do want to see him in the return game. Is ju- see just how fast he could look because I think um, he- he's he's a game breaker. Has what three touchdown returns? uh, from an interception person, st- uh, standpoint. So, uh, just seeing kind of the athleticism that he can demonstrate, I think would maybe surprise a lot of folks. I don't think it would surprise a lot of Iowa fans, but, um, to me, it'd be a, a fascinating possibility.
0: Yeah. If we see, uh, they like to go with the two punt returners, especially when teams are, are rugby punting, just because sometimes you get those low bouncers and if you can have one guy that's maybe up a little closer, they can pick those up and save 10 or 15 yards. So honestly, I don't remember what South Dakota State does with their punter in terms of if they roll them out much. I think they have kind of the, the swinging gate as a protection, but I, I don't remember honestly, and to be honest, most of the games I feel like I watched, they didn't punt that much. So so I, I don't remember which one they use, but yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see them put two guys back there as you've mentioned. So I think we'll we'll
1: go ahead and wrap it up. I want to see JP request. I want the the boots on the ground. How is it in Iowa City? I know here in Bentonville for Arkansas football, we're getting we're getting revved up. But JP, if you want to talk about uh, how it's going in Iowa City, curious for any perspective there, and then we can maybe wrap it up. Let's let's see if JP takes my speaking request. Otherwise, I guess. Does, does we'll we'll open this up, Thad? You think maybe uh, get a listener or two, see what they're. Oh, there we go, JP. How's it going? How's Iowa City?
2: Uh, we are up. We are moving. We are doing our new tradition of uh, making our donut run. The kids are yelling at me because I don't have back in black playing while we go to get our donuts. But I would just really quickly. I know there's some rumblings about weather. It is gorgeous in Iowa City right now. 71 degrees sunny um i know there was some talk of some rain i think that's going to steer clear so it looks like a beautiful day for football um we're on the east side so i got no reports of tailgate activity but um i'll follow up maybe if we see anybody downtown here oh
1: fantastic fantastic um
2: let's anything
1: you want to say jp anything you're looking for specifically
2: No, I think the biggest thing – you guys touched on it. I just want to see a really active run game. I mean, we all know the concerns about the offensive line last year. We all know the concerns about play design, quarterback play. To me, this is a team that we should be able to see the Hawkeyes lean on. And I really just want to see them get something going in the running game. You know, as Thad mentioned, avoiding those third and longs by, you know, just grinding stuff out on the ground with some, you know, two three yard runs is fine by me as long as we're able to just kind of lean on them into the second half and establish you know that run game um, because that's going to be so important for this team I think throughout the year taking pressure off of Spencer Petras taking pressure off of those uh, offensive tackles you know slowing things down off the edge with some you know quick hitters Uh, I want to see a little bit out of this screen game just uh, you know a little bit of creativity without showing too much um, and really being able to establish a run is, is kind of what it comes down to for me today. Fantastic. So I think we'll
1: go ahead and close it off. Uh, We'll be back after the game. We're going to open it up to uh, listeners for maybe some, some hot takes right, right at the, the, to end it up. Uh, Let's see. Pat Riley. uh, Yeah. Well, let's come back post game and, and we'll, We'll open up there. Uh, We want to keep this to a tight 20, 25 minutes. Uh, It will be available on uh, kind of the Twitter stream. We'll post it in the game thread and see if it comes through as uh, a podcast ahead of this. So um, thanks everyone for joining. Thanks, Thad. Thanks, JP, for for giving us uh, a lay of the land in Iowa City. And uh, go Hawks.